is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. What a morning it's been so far. I've absolutely loved it. This is where it comes crashing down. No, absolutely not. Uh, Kids, we have got some colouring and some word searches here for you. The word of the Lord is good, but 25 minutes is a long time. I understand that. So if you want to come up, grab some colouring pens and do a word search, go for it. Adults as well, if you fancy. (laughs) Why don't you? Just go. Um, Good morning, church. It is so good to see you this morning. Um, I hope hope you've been able to enjoy the roller coaster of weather that we've had these past two weeks. When it's really rained, it's rained. When it's been hot, it's been really hot. My goodness. Um, Graham asked me this morning to talk to you and share with you for the next 25 minutes or so on what I learned about at New Day, which is our youth festival that we go to each year. And this year, we took 35 of us in total from Jubilee to experience a week of fun, of laughter, Um, And really a time where God met us as a youth group and moved amongst us. And if you were here two weeks ago, um, Tim gave a great report on New Day. And New Day is so exciting. I really love it. But what I also love is seeing that momentum of God moving so clearly amongst us and making sure that we take it forward for the rest of the year as a church and as a youth group. Um, but firstly, some sort of extra lessons um, that I can teach on New Day, a funny few initial points, of course. You've got to have some jokes in there. Um, number one, what I learned at New Day, never wrestle Ukrainian lads. <laughs> Don't do it. You sick one yesterday, I can understand why. I mean, these guys, really, they just take on anyone, and they're fantastic. Um, number two... I could teach you how to make a motorbike noise with an empty, you know, Coke can. It really was amazing. This kid, Leo, did it, just annoyed everyone. I thought it was great. It's probably my fault for encouraging to do it so much. Anyway, number three, I could teach you some new dance moves. I mean, I learned a lot of new dance moves. Our youth group can really dance, honestly. We'll see that later. Not, no, not now, not now. Not now. No, thank you, Theo. <laughs> number four. Number four, here we go, that one, that will do. Number four, I could teach you not to go to a prayer meeting with the big dogs of New Day wearing rave glitter on my face, thanks to Lois Robinson. I was, <laughs> I was went to this prayer meeting, there was this Lou Fellingham, Joel Virgo, etc. They must have thought, who is this idiot? Why has he got rave glitter on his face? I don't know. Anyway, enough of that. But what, I, what I learned from New Day really is a real reminder that life has some good times. Life has some real challenging times. But throughout that, God has compassion for his people. And no book of the Bible highlights that more, really, highlights this point more than the book of Jonah. So if you want to get the books of the book of Jonah out, I'll give you time to look at that. We're going to be sort of dotting around the whole, whole book. Um, so this guy Jonah, if you don't know about him, I'm going to tell you, he's a fascinating guy. He really is. Who I'm sure quite a few of us can really identify with um, as we take a whistle-stop tour on this book. I'd really encourage you guys over this coming week to read this book of Jonah. 
either as a family, as a couple, as individuals, study this book. It's a short, but it's, it's really great. So a very quick summary on the story of Jonah. Um, some of you may know it from Frog Club or Kids Work or whatever, um, but let's just have a quick reminder. So Jonah heard from the Lord, who told him to go to Nineveh. We know that, which was a great city, but full of evil, and was, let's say, that way. But Jonah heard the call, and instead went the other way, completely the opposite way, on a ship to Tarshish. Silly Jonah, what is this guy doing, honestly? While he was on a ship, there was a big storm, and Jonah knew it was his fault that the storm was happening. And the other sailors just chucked him overboard, chucked him overboard. Then Jonah was about to drown, but was eaten by a big, we know it, fish. Oh, whale, yes. Jonah was vomited, he was there for three days, and Jonah was vomited out by this fish onto dry land. God told him again to go to Nineveh. This time, Jonah went. And Jonah went this time and told the people of Nineveh about God. They were saved. And the end of the book, there's this weird bit we'll talk about, where Jonah's just pretty depressed about everything. Anyway, my four points this morning for the note-takers amongst you. Get your books out, note-takers. Ah, we can run from God. We can run to God. We can run for God. And we always run with God. There you go. Thank you. Hey. I didn't make that up, but yeah, I'll take the credit. I'll take it today. I didn't make it up. Just uh, have a bit of water. I didn't take my inhaler today, so if I'm out of breath, then it's fine. I'm in front of friends. It's okay. Um, Jonah is a man who hears the calling of God and decides to go in the complete opposite direction. God has a plan to save the people of Nineveh, this great city full of evil, because he loves those people, and he decides to use Jonah for this very purpose. But what does Jonah do? He runs from God, completely the opposite way. And some of you this morning may feel right now that you're running from God. Some of you have heard God's calling before and are just avoiding it and running away from it. God wants to say initially, before I carry on, that he loves you and he wants you to come home. So if that's you this morning, if you feel like this is it, this is the time to come back. The amazing thing is that the plan to save Nineveh is not dependent on Jonah's actions here. God's plan doesn't stop when Jonah says, I'm all right, thanks, like some sort of youth deciding not to do the washing up or anything like that. But Jonah, God says, no, I'm not dependent on Jonah. God cares about his people. And he doesn't let our arrogance, our disobedience, or our laziness stop God from showing his compassion to his people. So what happens next, guys, for Jonah? We know the story. Jonah gets on this boat to Tarshish with other sailors, and there comes a massive storm. Jonah 1 verse 4, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. But what was Jonah doing during this storm? During this time of great wind and wave, what was he doing? He was asleep. This guy was asleep. I told you why I can identify this guy. Firstly, he runs in the opposite direction when there's issues. Secondly, he likes sleeping. I get this guy, I get, I get this guy. Um, 
I mean, it takes me ages to get to sleep, but when I'm asleep, I'm really asleep. You can't wake me up. Rihanna's had to slap me, I think, once. But anyway, moving on. Um, the other... No, that's not a confession. Anyway, the other sailors on the boat are terrified of the storm. And they ask Jonah what his deal is. And he says, well, I'm a Hebrew, and I, am, I, and I fear the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. So the sailors say, well, it was probably you then, mate. If your God made the sea, it's probably your fault. So they chucked him over. Um, Jonah says he knows it's his fault and says, pick me up. Chuck me in the sea, and this storm will be over. That must have been a terrifying experience for Jonah. He must have thought, this is it. This is the end of my life. I'm done with. And, you know, he's going to die in this water. And my only experience of that, because, you know, we're like, we've got to have a personal story. Yeah? We've got to have a personal story. My only experience of being terrified with water is when I was seven years old at a water park in Disney World called Typhoon Lagoon. And this water park has lots of slides. And it's affiliated with Disney, of course. Well, you know, of course I'm going to go there. So they have slides, and also they have this massive open-air wave pool. It's crazy. And they've got six-foot waves crashing into you every 30 seconds. And as a seven-year-old, this is the most exciting thing ever. But it's not safe. <laughs> Absolutely not safe whatsoever. So I'm standing there waiting for this huge wave to come. It was so exciting. And every wave that comes, you just get thrown just over. It feels like when you're seven, hundreds of people. It's crazy. And one time this happened, and I was flung across so many people. I landed in this bit where my parents just couldn't find me or see me. It was terrifying. So, and I couldn't stand up at all. And I was swimming and swimming and swimming. And then I was falling and falling and falling. But luckily, this lifeguard saw me and just saved me. And from this moment, from when I was essentially, I felt like I was drowning. I was saved by this lifeguard at this water park. But, Joan, but God sent a massive fish, a whale, to Jonah to save him from drowning. And I learned here in chapter 2, um, which we're going to look at quickly, um, is that then Jonah then prays, thanking God for saving him from certain death by getting a massive fish to swallow him up. Chapter 2, verse 2 says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Jonah has been running from God, church. But at this moment, in the belly of the fish, Jonah is running to God. He's praying to God, thanking him for being saved from death. Verse 5 says, The water closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you, Lord, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Amen. And you might identify with Jonah in, this, in that moment as well, like me. During the storms, when there's no one else to turn to, during the winds, during the waves, during storms, that's when you decide to pray. And some of you are in storms right now, or maybe you feel like you're in the belly of the fish. Everything around you just stinks, and life is just closing in. And you don't know what to do, but pray. We have a God who listens to us, church. Yeah. As Jonah says, in my distress, I pray to you, and you answer me. 
He draws close to us during times of struggle and times of anxiety. And God longs to know you, church. Some of you believe right now that God doesn't care about you. Some of you believe that, you know what, God doesn't have the time for me. You've been through things and you feel like just God doesn't care. But God doesn't just listen to us, doesn't just hear us. He answers and rescues us. And God is just saying, God is saying this morning, come run to me. You've been running from me. Come run actively to me. And God says, I am your savior. I'm going to rescue you. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, Jesus, the Son of God, was in the grave for three days and three nights. And then he rose again because he conquered sin and death. And Jesus did that because he cares for you, church. He wants you to run to him, just like Jonah did in this moment. He knows he's done wrong. He's run away from God's plan. But he's been saved from certain death. And he's saying in verse 9, salvation belongs to the Lord. If that's you and you're on a storm, you want to run to God, you know this is the time to turn away from what I've been doing because I know God is my saviour. God is my rescuer. It's time to run to God. I want you to come see us at the end. Come to the front. We'll pray for you. It'll be the best decision you ever make. So we saw that Jonah was running from God. Now he's running to God. And now it's fun because God hasn't forgot his initial plan to have compassion for the people of Nineveh. God spoke to the great fish. What a conversation. God spoke to the great fish. That was, when I read that, I was like, he spoke to the fish. Amazing. And then Jonah was vomited out onto dry land. I mean, what a way to enter dry land. What a way. If this story was a musical, like Joseph, this would have been the best song that we all remember, wouldn't it? Jonah, vomit of the fish, something like that. We would have loved it. Anyway, I was thinking maybe we'll get the kids to do that, but we don't have enough time for that, doesn't matter. Anyway, chapter three um, shows Jonah listening to God and going to Nineveh, and God using Jonah to save the people of Nineveh from evil and disaster. So this is Jonah running for God. And if we want to run for God, the first thing we need to realize is that we have God's grace. Grace is an undeserved gift from God that we don't deserve, we haven't earned, but still God shows his love to us. We see this in the first verse of chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. He spoke to Jonah again, even after he's mucked up before. He ran away from God that initial time. He went against God's word. He gave Jonah the opportunity again, a second time, to be part of his plan to save Nineveh. Jonah didn't deserve that. He mucked up his chance. He mucked up his opportunity. But gracious God came and welcomes Jonah in again to his plan. 
God is the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of fourth chances. He's the God of fifth chances. Again and again and again, he welcomes you and he loves you. Some of us think that our failings and our sins define us. And they're the final word on who we are. We've been told that we're failures. We've been told we're stupid. And we just keep on being in a cycle of doing wrong day after day, week after week. But God has such compassion to us that in Hebrews 8 verse 12, it says that he remembers their sin no more. That's it, Chrissy. Remembers their sin no more. So if you've mucked up, if you've done that sin again and again, he knows about it and he chooses, he chooses to remember it no more. What a God we serve. Amen. And our response to this is that we should run for God. And we see here in Jonah chapter 3 is that Jonah knows that he wants to run for God and he's both bold and he's obedient. It says in chapter 3 that Jonah walked three days to get to Nineveh. That's, that's very obedient. You won't see me walking for three days anywhere. But <laughs> that's a long time. And when he gets there, this previous timid and disobedient guy becomes this bold, confident man as we see him boldly proclaiming the word of the Lord to the people of Nineveh. Again, I want to be like this version of Jonah. This guy, I want to be like this guy. He's received God's grace. He's learned his lesson, and now he's running for God. Running is something that I both love and I hate at the same time. When it's done, I love running. It's great. I've accomplished something good. When, it's, when it starts, I hate running. It just takes a while to get going, doesn't it? But with running comes sacrifice. And running for God also has its sacrifices. If we're obedient to God, he might tell us, he might put us in uncomfortable places and uncomfortable positions and well, we have to maybe stop doing things that we're used to do. Or maybe we need to move away from friendship groups that aren't good for us. That's uncomfortable. That's hard. That's sacrifice. You know, we have to stop doing things because we know it's wrong. And this might affect school or work or personal life. That's not easy. But if we're obedient to God when he calls us, there is blessing. Not blessing that we might want, you know, or expect, like a new car, new Xbox. Most followers on TikTok or Instagram, yes, TikTok, I know what that is. Um, but what we see here in Jonah, that he runs for God and there is blessing, not for him exactly, but for the people of Nineveh, as they turn to believe God. God sends Jonah again to Nineveh. Jonah says that in 40 days, the city of Nineveh will be destroyed and the people of Nineveh repent from the evil waves and start believing in God. When we run for God, we bless other people. And as we start to run for God, other people, I believe, will believe God through us. And we see that in Nineveh and we saw that at New Day as well. People for the first time being healed. People for the first time knowing God and meeting him for the first time. And as you walk in being obedient, 
we trust we have a God, we have Holy Spirit inside of us who's going to carry that out in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities. And that's blessing, not for ourselves, church. Can't just be inward here, but for others as well. So by running for God with boldness and obedience, we encounter the grace and the goodness of God, both for ourselves and for the people we influence. God has compassion. He cares for his people, not just for people in this room, not just for the people who even know who he is, but for everyone, the whole earth, everyone who he created. And he's calling us to be part of that plan. That's amazing. That's a blessing. That's our calling, church. And you might have people in mind that you know they need Jesus. And God cares for those people. And as we run for God with boldness and obedience, he's going to show them his love and his grace through you. What a privilege. Okay, so we've had running from God. We've had running to God. And we've had running for God. But lastly, we come to chapter 4. And this thread of God's compassion in the book of Jonah reaches its climax. But what we see here in chapter 4 is a fascinating chapter. Is that Jonah still has issues. He still has issues. He's annoyed. He's angry. He's disappointed that God hasn't killed 120,000 people. Think about that. It's crazy. Jonah has this high of being bold and obeying God. But after God saved the city of Nineveh, it says in chapter 4, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Displeased Jonah. Denied him. Jonah then argues at God, how dare you save these people? I knew you were kind. I knew you were gracious. I knew you'd make me look stupid. That's what he's saying. It's mad. God. It's crazy. It's crazy that God used Jonah to bring a message of hope and safety and salvation to a city when Jonah wanted them to die. But church, if God used Jonah to bring a message to people, God can use us as well. We are like Jonah in this moment. We are. Because I'm sure there are some people who you know and you think, They'd be great if they were at church. They'd be really good Christians. You know, I've got friends here. They'd probably sit in that third row. They'd be really great. But there are also some other people in your life that you've not prayed for before, mainly because they're annoying or they're just plain awful. We know God loves, we know God loves everyone, but surely not everybody. Surely not that. Not that person. Think of that mean girl at school. Think of that arrogant guy at work. Guess what? God still loves them. God cares about them too. God created everyone, and he cares about everyone. He has compassion, not just for the people that we like. He has compassion for all his people. And we can be like Jonah, can't we? Jonah has had this pride about him because God made him look silly. He came to Nineveh. And said, God is going to smite you, Ninevites. In 40 days, you'll all be dead. But guess what? God didn't. And Jonah is annoyed. It made him look silly. 
He cares about, Jonah cares about what people think of him. And too often, we're the same. We care about what people think of us. And a journey I've had to have, and maybe many, many others of you as well, is that you have this need for people to think well of you. I have that. And it's often led me to do things that I shouldn't be doing. There's a battle in there between us, in our soul, in our life, between measuring what other people think of us versus obedience to God. And sometimes the fear of what other people think of us can be so overwhelming that it can stop us from running to God. And we can be like Jonah here with our sense of jealousy and comparison and our sense of self. And guess what? God knows about that and he loves us anyway. And God still wants to use us. He knows that we're not the finished article. He knows that we have that within us, that, that need to be liked. And he wants to still use us. Church, like I said, I'll repeat it. If God can use Jonah, God can use us as well. Chapter 4 continues with Jonah being mad with God. That God doesn't kill anyone. <laughs> and that God made Jonah look stupid. And then at the end, this random plant dies. It's a fascinating bit. Jonah sulks out the city. I'll honestly read this book this week, please. Jonah sulks out the city and sits under this tree, wallowing that he's unhappy. But then God appoints a plant. And that makes Jonah happy because he likes the shade. But then God appoints a worm. And he eats that plant. And Jonah's like, I'm done now. This is the end. I want to die. The plant was the final straw. And guess what? Jonah still has issues. It's not at the end, conquering Jonah. He's depressed. He's sad. He's done. And just like Jonah, we still have issues. And we're still a work in progress. We're not a finished article. Chapter 4 of Jonah is there to show us that even though we've experienced God and we're running from God, and sorry, running for God, we will probably still make mistakes. We'll probably still continue to get things wrong. But guess what? Even that, God will still never give up on you. He still loves you. Why? Because in the journey of life, he runs with us. He runs with us. We may have experienced something of what God has done or a powerful moment where God has used us for something. And you might think, you know what? Now, this is it. I'm the holiest Christian. Ain't nobody going to be me. You know, I'm St. Paul, number two. But guess what? We get to work and we start gossiping. Or we get frustrated and something happens, we swear. Or we start lying and we muck up. God still loves us. It takes work. This journey, it takes work. It's not going to happen overnight. But God remains faithful to us throughout our journey of life. In whatever place you're at, wherever you're feeling, He's running with you. God is not expecting perfection, but he's expecting devotion because God wants to know us. You might be here this morning and you've got a hard heart and think that God doesn't love you or God doesn't care for you, like I said. But God had concern of the city of Nineveh and he has concern for you. If we turn to say sorry to God, he won't leave you or forsake you. He loves you. Why? Because it says here in Jonah, God is gracious. 
God is merciful. He shares our pain. He gets our pain. He's slow to anger. He's patient with us. God is the same as he was in Jonah. He's the same now. And he's full of love. Coming up to the end of the summer, you're going back to school, going entering a new term. I just feel like a new start September. I always feel like that. Whatever challenges you face, Eva Harman, whatever challenges you face next year, God will never leave you or forsake you. He won't. And we're going to encounter times where it's tough. We're going to encounter good times as well. But guess what? God cares for you. He has compassion over you. He loves us in the highest of highs and the deepest lows. And I was reminded of this at New Day. And then my friend Martin, who preached Jonah at New Day, he tells his kids, and he learned this at New Day, he tells his kids, you know, we love you when you're good, we love you when you're naughty, and we love you all the time. And God is the same with us. God loves us when we're good. God loves us when we're naughty. And God loves us all the time. Amen. So I'll just pray for us, for, and we'll close the service. You can, can you lead that bit? Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for saving the people of Nineveh. And thank you that you care and save us. And wherever we're at, wherever place we're at, help us to know your graciousness. Help us to know your love. Help us know your kindness and your goodness. I pray, Lord, as we go from this place, as we go into the week, there'll be moments that we just feel your love like never before. And Lord, if there's people who are turning away from you, there's people who are running away from you, thank you, Lord, that you welcome us back in. And I pray, Lord, in church right now, if that's you, you know that's you and you want to come back to God. God welcomes you with open arms. He loves you. He saves you. He rescues you. Make a decision today. Father, I pray, Lord, as we run for you, your Holy Spirit will be with us. You'll give us that boldness and obedience in every setting, in every moment, Lord. Give us more of your Holy Spirit. Give us more of your faith, Lord. I pray for moments this week can run for you. Thank you, Lord, that you're God who runs with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. You love us all the time. Amen. Thank you, Sandeep. Why don't we stand, church? Stand to our feet. I'm just going to take a moment to respond here to the Lord before we, before we finish. Um, Graham's going to lead us in a, in a short song. I just want to give you that opportunity. If you're saying that that was, that was me, who God has, I know God has called me this way and I'm heading this way. If you know that direction when he's called you to this one he's calling you home he's calling you back and as
as we as we sing this next song, there's just going to be an opportunity for you to for you to come up from from that direction to this one. Just come forward. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray pray you through running from God back to running to God. Now's your moment to run to God. We're going to worship. You can run to God. All of us can run to God. And then there's going to be uh, some refreshments out of the box afterwards. Um, uh, tea, coffee, donuts, those things. But first of all, let's run to Him in worship, in our response. Sunday.